when he said the number, which was five million, like the laughing that came from that group sounded like maniacal. The Lion King, the high, yeah, the hyenas, yeah, the hyenas, <laughs> the hyenas yeah. in Lion King yeah. was like what immediately came to mind, and I was like, oh man, oh man, this is going downhill. Hey there, I'm Jory Monroe, and this is Another Bite, where we rewatch all of the latest and greatest pitches from Shark Tank, and honestly, some of the not-so-great ones. Joining me today are John Dick and Leslie Green. Today, we are talking about the most important food group, at least in my mind, which is pizza. Today, we've got triangular Tupperware, an oven that will definitely maybe burn your house down if you use it inside. But first, a word from the folks that pay the bills. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams boosting leads and ramping up sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit hubspot.com slash startups. Today, we've got a marriage of two giants, pizza and dessert. So without further ado, first up in the tank, we've got the Pizza Cupcake Company. Michelle Jimenez and Andrea Machato come to us asking for $125,000 for a 5% stake in their company, which is about a $2.5 million valuation. Their product is a frozen pizza that is also a cupcake. So the problem they're trying to solve for is that frozen pizza is not usually seen as like a high quality, transportable gourmet snack. So meet the pizza cupcake, at which point there is a six foot tall cupcake that comes running out Kool-Aid man style into the pitch, knocking over the huge display of pizza cupcake boxes. But the Pizza Cupcake Company is frozen pizzas that are the size of cupcakes. They come with a trade secret dough that's a hybrid between a brioche and a sourdough, which made my like very minimum knowledge of making bread tingle because I was like, could I figure out that trade secret? Part of me wonders if some of the value and why it seems so tasty is if they're using like the New York City water, but they're almost like these round pizza dough balls with a well in the center that's like some sauce, some cheese, and maybe like one slice of pepperoni. Like a a slice of pepperoni that's like askew. So what did we think? Every one of them was like, oh, you got to like slide that roni over. I don't know. What did we think? Yeah, I love pizza. Can we all get on the same page that we all love pizza? I love pizza. Okay, great. Verbal agreement. We all love pizza. So this episode is going to be a lot of love. Um, (laughs) I was at first thrown off with the naming, the pizza cupcake. I'll give it away. I'm in. I'm in on the pizza cupcake. But I was like, why is this a cupcake? I didn't quite get that. Did anybody else have some confusion around the name? I was immediately repulsed by the concept. (laughs) Like immediately, (laughs) I was envisioning a slice of pizza with like a big blob of frosting on it and the frosting just like melting and dripping. And it was like, this is going to be absolutely horrible. But the premise is off to me, Hmm. which is essentially people love pizza, but hate eating slices of pizza. 
That is not true. People love eating slices of pizza. And so, you know, I don't know if they're really solving a problem that needs to be solved in the world. And by combining these two categories, they've made my belly kind of turn over and say, I'm not really interested in eating that. Yeah, I kind of feel like their cultural insight might have been off. I do think what they maybe should reposition that insight is, is like portable pizza that's like that really good one bite of pizza, because sometimes it Mm. is. It's a little messy. It's a little hard. You think about them talking about being in catering or food truck sort of situation. Like sometimes you don't want to be messy, but you still want the delicious bite of pizza. So I get that. But I do think you're right, John, that the cultural inside of like people don't ever get messy when they eat pizza is correct. Yeah. The other insight they had, which I think they're just not leaning into enough was the calories, right? Mm -hmm. I love that value prop. If you could get me a slice of pizza that has half the calories, like I really would think about it as long as it tasted good. But cupcakes have a lot of calories and pizza has a lot of calories. So putting them together to me sounds like even more calories. And I would kind of assume that. Yeah. But that wasn't the case, right? Because we found out in this episode that the pizza cupcake, for one, it's 160 calories, right? And then for the pepperoni, you add your little piece of meat and you get 170 calories. So it it actually wasn't so bad. A slice of pepperoni is definitely more than like 10 calories. So I'm a little confused. I actually bought a pepperoni stick after listening to this episode and was like, okay, cool. So I can essentially eat, I don't know, 10 slices of pepperoni for 100 calories. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know, what's a normal slice of pizza? Has to be like at least 300, 400. But they're not convincing that. That's not what the name does for me. The name tells me it's going to be a fattier, Mm. more delectable slice of pizza as opposed to something that's locale. Yeah. And this may be me, but I'm a big toppings person. Like I like a little Mm. bit of a thinner Neapolitan style crust. So I'm sure it's delicious, but this just feels like bread with a whisper of cheese and pepperoni to me. Seems like the thing they're banking on is that when people taste it, they're like, oh, that was actually really good. Like all the sharks were like, this is shockingly good. And it passed like the old Italian lady test, right? (laughs) Especially for being frozen. But I feel like that's really tough because the biggest challenge will be getting people to actually try it. And so if it all pays off on the other side, once people try it, it feels like if their model is selling, you know, 12 packs over the internet for like pretty high costs that need to be shipped, it seems pretty unlikely people are going to do it. Yeah. The price was my hang up. Again, you can get dollar slices everywhere. And I think it's a cool idea for catering, maybe something a little bit more special or a food truck, but I just would never see myself actually buying these. And that was something that I think they've started to lock down to as a company. It seems like their main distribution channels are catering, but then they're also selling at stadiums. So to speak to your point, Leslie, it seems like they are starting to capitalize on those interesting moments. Yeah. So what do we think on this deal? I mean, most people are out Mm -hmm. right away and I can understand why it's super complex. Yeah, we get people backing out pretty quickly. Kevin's really concerned that, you know, for a 12 pack, it's $24.99, which is already starting to kind of get up there. But then it's $9.99 to ship. And it sounds like Kevin had had some experience with shipping because he went in on a deal with Wicked Good Cupcakes. So he's like, you haven't even figured out how you're going to mass market this to consumers. So I'm out. Damon, he was very much like, I'm not a good fit. It sounds like Lori had like a co-packer and distribution channel 
original that was more aligned with this product. He goes out, Robert goes out. But I think Michelle came to this Shark Tank episode ready to barter. Yeah, she was prepped. Yeah, so Lori had like some experience in this arena because she had gotten Bantam Bagels, which is like a stuffed bagel ball into Starbucks nationwide. And so she starts offering $125,000 for 20% of the company, which Robert affectionately calls a mob offer, which I just thought was really funny. Yeah, that was great. But that's when we see really Michelle and her strengths come to light because she's like, all right, let's talk about it. We're in conversation with a distributor who wants us to be part of their incubator. When you invested in Bantam, they were less profitable than us, right? Yeah, that was great. So she starts really kind of debating them down. Lori was really willing to come down to 15% and not really budge past that. But Michelle, again, with that like savvy business know-how was able to land a deal where I think they ended on the 125000 investment for 12.5% and then 2.5% in advisory shares. So both of them walk away with a deal that they felt comfortable with. Yeah. I had to look up what an advisory share was. I feel like this section of the episode always shows where our strengths are, but I thought it was really interesting because I hadn't seen that yet. She was so armed with like all the knowledge, calling out like Bantam Bagel's profitability and then Mm -hmm. just like working on the fly. I think that was something that you could see really well with sort of their duo was like she had the business acumen. He was the one who was just like slanging the pizzas and like knew how to make a really amazing product. And it's awesome when you see two founders who know each other's strengths and don't compete with each other on them. Yeah. Michelle seemed very, very focused as an entrepreneur on ensuring that the valuation of her company was essentially as high as possible. Because when she goes out to either raise more money or hire employees or all these things, like having that high valuation can be potentially valuable for her. And she wasn't concerned about giving up 15% of the company. She was concerned that if she gave up 15% of the company for $125,000, that would end up valuing her only at like $830,000. And so even getting down to the 12.5 basically got her to a million dollar valuation, which, you know, I'm sure in her head was like, this is really good. She's going to start working with an incubator, like do all this stuff. You know, having good valuation, not giving up too much of the value up front is pretty key. And she can give those shares away and it will dilute her in terms of what she owns of the company, but it won't end up resulting in the company being worth less on a valuation basis. So it was interesting to see her prioritize that so heavily. It definitely gives me the thought that she's like really planning for the future and how she wants to scale it, which is pretty exciting for her. Yeah, definitely one of the best prepared pitches that we've seen. So in terms of, is this still a company? You bet your tiny pepperoni slices it is. It's interesting though, because this is like a pandemic story that kind of plays out the opposite of what you'd imagine. So when COVID hit, all orders for the company like completely shut down, like nothing, zero, as they say in Italian, maybe, (laughs) nada. (laughs) But once everything started to open up again in 2021, Pizza Cupcake Company landed in 100 Wegman stores and their revenue hit $5 million. Wow, it's incredible. You can get this currently from the company website for a variety of different prices, depending on how much pizza cupcakes you're willing to buy. So orders on one box range from $25.99 to they have a package deal of three boxes at $69.99. So like if you are really bought in, you can get as many cupcakes as you want. So it looks like a great slice of pie for our favorite shark, Lori. They did good. The one thing that I noticed that they had done was they 
on their Instagram have some pretty significant names talking about their cupcakes. They actually had Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports. He was like after a show getting a bite of drunk food and just did this review and he said it was pretty good. So it's really cool to see that they're able to, you know, get those influencers they need. Yeah. The Pizza Cupcake is still doing his dancing and his things across their channels. So if you're just craving another bite of the Dance of Pizza Cupcake, he's uh, he's all across their TikTok. <laughs> so next up in the tank, we have Pizza Pack. So another pizza-themed product. So Tate Koenig is Mr. Cheese Pizza, and he is a returning member of Shark Tank. So he's been on the show before, and he had pitched a cheese chopper that was too early, according to Kevin. No sales, no pre-orders, so it was a bit of a flop. So he comes back with a new pitch where he's saying, a good pitch is like good pizza. It's all about the delivery. So Tate comes trying to solve the problem of, you know, we've all tried to cram that dirty pizza box into our fridge when there's just a couple slices left. So this product is encouraging us to think outside the box, and it's a microwave-safe pizza-shaped container to preserve your pie slices. So it can store a whole pizza or just one slice, and it doubles as its own pizza plates. So it comes with like these triangular dividers that can be turned into pizza plates. And then it has this like air vent on top that you can use to reheat your pizza perfectly. And oh my gosh, so I tried to like pull back on the puns because he delivered the most amazing punny line I've ever heard. So many. He's a punny so guy. his line was, Crust me, it's time to cheese the day. We are preheating the oven on this legendary product that's history in the baking. All I need is your dough. And when I tell you, I laughed for a solid five minutes. Mm. <laughs> Enough so that my husband was like, what is going on over there? Just incredible. I was like, I don't even need to add puns as long as I say this line. Everybody spends their time working on something, you know? <laughs> Michelle exactly. was definitely working on stats, and uh, this guy was definitely working on his puns, that's for sure. Yeah, Tate came with the puns. <laughs> I would like to note, though, I think the people of Chicago would disagree that a whole pizza could fit in this thing. Mm. You know, this is essentially the size of one slice of Chicago deep dish pizza. So <laughs> we should just note that. If you wanted a, a pizza packer for an entire Chicago deep dish pizza, it'd be like 14 feet tall. That's actually like was one of my biggest gripes for a little background. I'm a big pizza household. We make a lot of pizza, <laughs> big, pizza. Um, <laughs> big pizza household. And I was like, that doesn't feel big enough for like the kind of slice that it, we're making. I mean, I would love this. I think it's really cool. I just I think the the size of it is throwing me off. Yeah, like that size is not going to fit a proper Brooklyn slice, which is like the size of someone's face. <laughs> so Tate comes asking initially for $100,000 for a 10% stake in his company, which puts it at a million dollar valuation. And I understood as the sharks were like physically holding the product and they were like, you know, it looks really well made. That still felt like a really high valuation for basically a singular product company. Yeah, well, this is the question. In four months, he'd done $250,000 of sales. Mm -hmm. And so the run rate on sales there is like $750,000. And so at his margins, I think his margins were like over 70%. Mm -hmm. And granted, that'll change a bunch as they scale up. But right now they're over 70%. And so it's actually like on a multiple basis, a little bit lower. It is a more reasonable valuation than the pizza cupcake by a lot. <laughs> 
So yes, it is a lot to ask for a million dollars, but if you believe that those sales are going to be run rate sales, I think you could kind of justify it. And it's interesting because he comes up the sharks already on multiple distribution channels, right? So he's selling direct to consumer from the website, but he's already broken into Amazon.com and Walmart.com, which I feel like is not one we hear about a lot. He mentioned that he was buying ads for $2.83 for a cost per acquisition. John, what were your thoughts on his strategy? Walmart is interesting. Walmart as a website actually operates similar to Amazon in the sense that there's owned inventory that Walmart direct sells. And then there's a marketplace essentially where people can go bid to have their products placed on walmart.com. I haven't ever really dug into the details of how big that business line is for Walmart, but I think his acquisition cost is very reasonable. I was pretty encouraged and happy for him that presumably without any, you know, amazing data or smart information, like they're able to actually just get people to purchase for, you know, under three bucks. Any thoughts, Leslie? I think niche kitchen products are so interesting. Like you have an avocado cutter or a banana cutter, (laughs) but like if your family is eating pizza all the time, and I think Amazon has a wonderful way of showing you related products. So if you're, you know, (laughs) on, if you're like the algorithm knows, (laughs) I just think it's one of those novelty things too. I can really see this being something that people give as a gift, all this stuff. But in terms of like where it's placed, that's what I would have assumed. Like, I don't know if you're going to see this in a lot of regular grocery stores, but also too, like there could be opportunity with pizza places. You know what I mean? Like if you could get one with your local pizza shops brand on it. And I think there's some opportunities there that could be fun, but I I like it on Walmart and Amazon. Yeah. This this is QVC all day. This is something people are going to look at. And I don't know, I talk to my friends and family as I'm watching all these episodes again. And it's like, I mentioned the pizza packer and everyone's like, that's a really good idea, actually. Like, <laughs> yeah. I kind of want that. It, to Leslie's point about discovery, I think if you find it, I think you're going to be like, that's a pretty good idea. I should think about getting that, which is why I think he was so focused on getting Lori and why Lori for him was such uh, an ideal partner. The negotiations got pretty interesting though, right? Because Mr. Wonderful could have also been a great partner, mm-hmm. but he put forward a pretty complex deal. Kudos to Tate for managing it on the spot and hopefully figuring out what the best decision was there. But, you know, Mr. Wonderful essentially said, hey, I'll give you $100,000 for 10%, but I want a royalty, Mm -hmm. $2 up to the first $100,000 in sales and 50 cents after that. I ran the math on it because I was just personally very interested to see which deal was better here. And essentially, in this scenario, he's trading off ownership in the business in exchange for royalties. And almost always the non-royalty option played out better for him than if he had gone the royalty path. Do you have some of those sample numbers in front of you? Yeah. Okay. So this is back of the pizza box math right here. Yeah. Just judge it. But I don't know. If you do $10 million in sales, that's basically like 400,000 units at the price that he's selling at. Just assume like a 70% margin and if you run those royalties through, basically on the $10 million of sales, you would end up paying out $350,000 in royalties, which basically means you end up with a ultimate margin of 67%. Mm. And at an ownership stake of 90%, that basically gets you around $5,985,000 of take home. And if you did that without the royalty and you gave up a little bit more of the company, you'd end up over 6 million in take home. Mm. So it didn't end up working out becomes more expensive, especially the more money you make, for sure. Some financial analyst who's obsessed with pizza is definitely going to be like, you don't know what you're talking about. This is garbage. (laughs) But that's my math that I did. 
All I know is the audience got involved and the audience was down for the royalty. (laughs) The audience was down for the feeding frenzy. And I feel like that's why the live shows are like interesting in a different way, because the audience is like anytime a shark stands up and says anything, they're like, whatever you say is golden. Yeah. So Kevin had stood up and was like, royalty, royalty. And of course, (laughs) they all started chanting. (laughs) That wasn't necessarily the best business option, but it happened. I think when it really like switched was when Mark Cuban was offering, he was like, what's the number? Like, what do you, what's the number in your head? I'll just buy it. And I was like, bold, can you pay my mortgage? But whatever. Um, (laughs) Then, you know, when he said the number, which was 5 million, like the laughing that came from that group sounded like maniacal. The Lion King, the hyenas, the hyenas in Lion King was like what immediately came to mind. And I was like, oh man. Oh, man, this is going downhill. So that kind of really just sparked off a lot of the audience, the sharks, everything. As we talked about, I mean, the company is legitimately only worth like even on a pretty generous basis, maybe a million dollars if they can continue to maintain their run rate sales, which is pretty unclear. It would be way overpaying for the business by a lot. Yeah. And then Lori kind of like calmed it down, was just like, I believe in you. And then we kind of got back to where Lori was driving the bus again. Ultimately, Lori was able to kind of tease Tate, the founder of our product, away from Mark's offer. He ended up saying, you know, like, I will give you $1.5 million to buy out your company. But I feel like Lori was kind of like the good angel versus like the devil on the shoulder because she was actually willing to even go down. Like her initial offer was the $100,000 for 20%. And she's like, we'll be side by side. She kind of starts to come down. She's like, I'm going to change my offer now that you've got like some cash money on the table down to 15%. And she was definitely like his dream shark. You know, it seemed like the pizza pack guy really wanted to work with Lori. So he was like, hey, could you do 12.5%? And Lori was like, 13% Tate and you got a deal. And that's ultimately where we ended. This episode actually aired relatively recently, so we don't have a lot of data on if it's still a company. I just want him to do one for like cake. <laughs> cake is hard to store. If we could make cake stay the wonderful. The cake cup. For, yeah. <laughs> it's like trademark. Don't take that. That's another Bites product now. The pizza cupcake packer. <laughs> Launching soon. To a site near you. So immediately following Pizza Pack's appearance on the live episode, the company completely sold out of all of its inventory. Wow. But we'll definitely make sure to keep the listeners updated as we have updates on this one. So finally, last in the tank, we have Bertello Pizza Ovens. So this is an easy way to achieve authentic Italian flavor, even if the two founders, Andy and Eric Burt, couldn't quite achieve an authentic Italian accent. So the problem they're really trying to solve for is that it's really hard with, you know, the oven pizzas or the frozen pizzas to kind of get that authentic Italian flavor. So they come to us with their... Bertello pizza ovens, which is a wood fire and gas pizza oven for cooking pies outside and at home. The thing that really stood out in the pitch is every time they announced a new fuel source, they just started screaming, what? 
what? Yeah, that was a no for me. I was like, please stop. Please stop. I found myself starting to do it like after sentences, like I'm writing this email. What? What? (laughs) The chaos started really early, really fast. Pretty much. The juggling bit was notable, not only because I'm always impressed when someone can really juggle. I can, I get like three times around and I drop them. But it was really funny when he got to the wood pellets. He just threw them in the air. I was like, that's a good bit. I like that. I got to respect the bit. Pizza in the face was not a good bit. That, that was, was a bad so bit. so bizarre. I was like, I feel like when you're brainstorming, what do we do to make an impact? And like the yeah. long list that was probably, and they were like, pie the face. That's it. That's the move. Literal pizza pie to the face. I kept wanting that guy to be like, my energy is so low because literally my eyes are burning <laughs> from the acid and the sauce. I have tomato I acid basically got eye. pepper sprayed in the face by my co-founder who barely owns any of the company. The hell? <laughs> Because that was the thing, right? Is like Eric, the inventor of this pizza oven, was really high energy. He was the one screaming what? He was really excited about all these fuel options. You could use propane. You could use wood pellets. You could use charcoal. And then his brother pies him in the face with pizza. And I was like, is that hot? Like, did that just come out of the pizza oven? Because like, yeah, that would be shocking. So the two brothers come asking for $125,000 investment for a 10% stake in their company, which puts us up at a $1.2 million valuation. And I really loved it because in this pitch, you know, they invited Kevin up to make his own pizza and then started feeding sharks pizza that presumably was also cooked in this oven. What I found really interesting, though, is the premise is that maybe I don't understand how like wood fired pizza ovens work, but like this pizza, it's like in and out in two minutes. And as a consumer, I felt like I was watching an infomercial and like totally bought in. (laughs) Yeah, that's how it works. But my household is an uni household, which is like a direct competitor of this product. And it is crazy. You have to be really careful. You have to keep spinning it. Mm. Like even some of the toppings, if you like pre-cook them, then you have to like make sure that everything is like not getting burnt to a crisp on the top of the pizza. But it's really fun. Like I love being able to make pizzas at home. So I was very interested to kind of figure out like what was different. Like that was the thing for me with this was what differentiates this from the uni, which I would say is probably like the biggest known name for home pizzas. And yeah, I mean, the uni is more expensive, but also a lot of the gripes around this one is really like the size of the opening. Like when you're in there, you got to spin the pizza and you can't make a very big pizza. So this one is priced a lot lower. The Bertello pizza one is priced a lot lower, but it seems like most pizza enthusiasts are all team uni. Yeah, well, so the multi-fuel Uni is $800. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's like a lot more money. And listen, I would love to cook pizzas in my backyard. That is aspirational <laughs> for me. Come over. Selling a vision. Come over. You know, live in Massachusetts, how many days a year am I going to cook a pizza in my backyard? Like not that many. 800 bucks is like a lot of money for that aspiration. 250 bucks? Yeah. Speak in John's language. I might pay $250 for the vision that I am an expert pizza. Yeah. Yeah. I might cook some pies with that money, you know. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think like it just depends. You have to figure out like how much you really think you're going to use it. Are you a serious pizza enthusiast or not? Are you calling me not a serious pizza enthusiast? <laughs> How deep is your know. love for pizza, John? I don't know. You got you to gotta come down to Austin and try the uni. It's pretty great. I've only kept one secret from my wife in our entire marriage, which she now knows about. Are we going to hear it now? No, she, know, she knows about it. <laughs> but I used to secretly sample all the pizza places around. I'd like go out to run errands on a Saturday and I would like stop and get a slice of pizza at all the... And like one day we were walking by a pizza place and she's like, that looks pretty good. And I was like, ah, it's not that good. Ooh. She's like, when did you have that? And I was like... 
I'll never tell. I have to tell you something. <laughs> I've secretly been sampling pizza places all over town without telling you. I'm secretly a pizza connoisseur. <laughs> That's a huge breach of trust in my household. Like if any food gets eaten, it must be split. There is no like, it has to be an agreement that like, no, you can have that last bite. But like we split like in the most annoying way possible. So I would have been, if that was me, I would have been like actually hurt for a while. My wife wasn't hurt. She was sad for me. She was like, I'm so sorry for you. That's like the (laughs) saddest secret to to hold back. (laughs) (sighs) And there is quite a bit of a cost differential, right? Because it's like the Bertello ovens are only $250 at the time of this episode. So that's a pretty big difference. It's a huge price difference and their margins (laughs) are really good. It seems like he's got maybe a little bit of a design edge. I don't know what the uni margins are, but yeah, their margins are like 33%. And I think they're going to do a million in sales. Honestly, like the business is going pretty well. They're debt free. Like the valuation at even the 1.2 million is not that out of line of some of the other ones we've seen. I think given how undifferentiated it is, potentially it was too high. And that's where it got Mm -hmm. to in the negotiations, right? Like Barbara came in for 25%. I mean, you saw it play out, right? Everybody was nowhere close to the 10% valuation, 100%. Kevin came in after that for 30%. I think what was interesting, though, is Barbara noticed a real big tone shift. I felt like our founders, like they were telling their story about like Eric was the brother that's a structural engineer and like he likes to think big and Andy's the finance guy. But as he's telling this story, like his energy just keeps going lower and lower. And by the end of it, he's like, yeah, I'm all in on this pizza deal, I guess. And like Barbara's (laughs) like, what happened? You had us like at the edge of our seats. You were throwing pizza around. There was like lots of screaming. And then by the end of it, it just like he didn't have like any energy left to like go into these deals. And to a certain extent, like as a viewer, I could get it because like the product got riffed pretty hard initially. Mark was like, it doesn't make sense. Robert was like, I'm just not excited about it. And I feel like you could see the wind kind of slowly getting like out of his sales, right? Because he came in all energy and immediately two sharks were just like, no. Yeah. (laughs) So the little boy that built the treehouse, you saw that Mm -hmm. there. Like he explained how he started building this treehouse up until he was like 21. I don't remember when he said he started, but like clearly he is just like one of those like throw yourself in, very obsessed with the project. Just you could just see his little heart breaking. And that was so kind of hard to watch. But I do think it was a good call out and like lesson learned for him as like a founder, like you got to maintain composure, you know, that energy and you have to believe in your product. And like, even if somebody comes at you and is like, no, this is stupid, you have to continue to believe because if you don't believe in it, nobody else is. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was just like a really interesting moment, pitch moment. Yeah. I hated seeing it become about whether he was high enough energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that. That's fair. I thought that was crummy because I think the problem actually was that they pitched him as high energy in the beginning and he actually isn't that high energy. Probably took a lot (laughs) out of him to do that Italian accent. (laughs) But I kind of wish that they just like been true to who he was, which is like, I'm a really talented, badass engineer who's built an incredible pizza oven that we can sell at like a quarter of the cost of this Mm -hmm. uni oven. And we are basically going to go and beat uni on, you know, three out of four people. We're going to beat them just on cost and we're going to build a great company around it. And you can believe in me because I'm really talented as opposed to like having it become about his energy. Just felt kind of crummy to me. Yeah. It was interesting though, like to speak to your point, Leslie, about being willing to hear the word no. I think Barbara was still like Mm -hmm. really interested and she was like, I love this product. Maybe not so much you guys right now, but she was willing to do 120,000 for a 25% stake. Kevin started a lot 
hire, which is very like Mr. Wonderful of him, where he was like 120,000 for 30%. Eric was like, would you do 25%? So essentially match Barbara's offer. And then Eric was like, yep, done, deal, let's do it. As soon as Mr. Wonderful essentially was just like, I will match Barbara. I feel like because Barbara had sort of miffed off the founders, it was very odd. (laughs) Yeah, the interaction at the end between Kevin and Barbara was like so gold. It was like hard to get a deal when you call someone boring. She's like, (laughs) I'm, (laughs) which is facts. And then she was like, I'm being mean because I'm annoyed. And I was like, me too, girl. Me too. Yeah. I I feel like they just, they wanted Mr. Wonderful. Mm. Like as soon as Mr. Wonderful got in, they were just like, okay, great. Can we just do this right now? I think they could have negotiated way stronger. You know, I think this was more favorable to Mr. Wonderful than it was to the entrepreneurs. And that's fine because that's who they wanted. I don't know. I'm always happy when it's like, I was able to get a deal with the person I wanted to deal with. And there's a reason I wanted to deal from them. You know, not all money is equal for every product and every founder. And the insults, I'm sure, didn't help. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it definitely speaks to like, you know, if you have in your mind what you're interested in, it's not that you should shut out everybody else, but there's probably a match for a reason. And so it's not always about the money. They're taking all that into consideration. So I was excited for him. So in terms of this deal, it does appear to have gone through and where Bertello definitely has more than one competitor these days, they're doing pretty well. So when they were on the show, they had done $640,000 in revenue to date. And in 2022, brace yourselves, but they're up to $6.3 million in revenue. COVID hobby. COVID hobby. It got timed well. That is what happened. I saw in real time. People were making their bread and they were cooking their pizzas. So the price of the ovens actually since the episode has gone up. So from $250, now the ovens sell for $320 on Amazon Mm. and they go up to $470. They've got some more like beefed up options on their website. But I just wanted to read off some of their Amazon reviews because we've got kind of a mixed bag of what's going on with this pizza oven. So currently they have 568 global reviews, but they're sitting at like a respectable 4.1 stars out of five. I'm going to check Uni because I'm, (laughs) that's how I am. You got it. We'll do a comparison because this first review comes to us from Grump Dad, who spent $400 on the oven and accessories. And yes, the name does kind of uh, suggest where this is going, but it says, after repeated attempts to prove I didn't waste $400, I've come to the conclusion that the other reviews are paid for. I know two others that have purchased this and tried like heck to get good results. I'm a pretty smart guy and I say I must have been beaten three stars. that's like three stars is pretty good still it's not like a one star (laughs) but to be like these all these good reviews are paid for (laughs) so jager 88 says you need to buy the stupid wood chip tray that warps under heat now on qvc so you know it's a turd your grandma might buy for you it makes great pizza but for the headache and frustration just buy the uni for superior value and quality one star Mm. yeah you know team uni I am all about it. It looks like some of their comparable priced ones are, you know, in the four and a half stars. Mm. I will say after kind of looking at some of their marketing, like something that I can guarantee that Uni is doing better is they're making a bit more of a community around their product. They also really do inbound marketing really well where they're showing like how to make pizza dough. Like they're doing all Mm. the things surrounding the actual oven itself. And I think that that's something like in terms of just their marketing that they're a little behind with. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're 
we're both aware that there's a website called Fake Spot. Do you know about Fake Spot? Mm-mm. No. Fake Spot is, I, it could be fake itself. <laughs> I don't know. You can put an Amazon link in and it will do an AI analysis of the reviews and tell you whether or not it believes that they've- They're actually bought like, for. Basically bought for how legit they are and it will give you an adjusted rating. That's amazing. I put the Bertolo- Napoli wood fire and gas outdoor pizza oven in. It got a review grade of a D. Oh. So they might <laughs> actually be buying according to this. It's adjusted fake spot rating is one and a half stars, not 4.1 stars. Now, I have no idea what that means. It could be, I don't know. I don't know if fake spot's real, but that's what fake spot says. So one final question for you before we go. We had three pizza products for us on this pizza-themed episode. Of the three of those, which one would you rate the winner of the episode? Pizza Packer. Yeah. Yeah, because I can start using that immediately. I like it's a one-time purchase. It will make my life better, I hope. I think pizza cupcake all the way, but it's because it's (laughs) ridiculous and I am all down to try any ridiculous food item. Today's episode was written and produced by the wonderful Matthew Brown. Additional support for the show comes from Melanie Romero and Robert Hartwig. And for all of you Spotify users out there, let me tell you about a special new feature. Okay, are you on your phone? Pop that out of your pocket, fire up today's episode screen, and take a look. You'll see a section called Q&A with just an adorable little reply button right below it. Tap that button and write to us directly. Yeah, direct feed from your fingertips to our inbox. What a feature, what a technology. Each episode has a new question, so make sure you stay in touch. All right, that does it for me. See you next week for another bite.